Welcome to episode 50 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi everybody and welcome. This is episode number 50 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi everybody. Wow, 50 sounds so like official, doesn't it? I know. I feel like we should have planned like a 50 party. I don't well, know. You know, 52 is going to be even more exciting because that will mean we have done it for a year. Oh, that's a very good point. So we're almost at the year point. That is so exciting. That's so exciting. Yeah. So how are things in your world? They're going well. Things are just rolling right along, counting down the days towards retirement, staying busy, so busy. <laughs> you know how people could stay busy 24-7. I think I'm 29-8. <laughs> Oh, perfect. <laughs> so busy, but I can see the, the change over the horizon. When does school get out? Like mid-May? Well, we go till um, the end of May. My official last day of work is May 30th because um, we have what we call post-planning, which is like the days after the kids get out. We have a couple more teacher work days. So May 30th. That's exciting. Oh, it's so exciting. I can't even, I can't even wait. So, <sighs> And then there's so many projects and so many things you can do. Yeah. And, you know, the main thing I'm looking forward to is never again having to say for the rest of my life, who is making that weird noise? And please stop making that weird noise. (laughs) That's (laughs) really funny. Whose paper is this? (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. So exciting. What's up with you? Well, I am still apartment hunting, which is crazy. I've decided, I don't know if listeners are familiar with California, but I want to be like in the valley, I think. So I've been looking at um, Studio City and Sherman Oaks. So if any listeners have an apartment <laughs> in Studio City or Sherman Oaks that they want to um, rent, I would uh, love to hear about it. I'm just excited to, to get moved. Yeah, it's a whole done. different world. It's so easy to find a place, I think, around here. I know. I know. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It's crazy. It's just hard because there's, well, there's so many places, but they go so fast. And then finding one affordable and then finding one that's clean and just, it's a lot. Yeah, it sounds hard. But it'll happen. I mean, it it has to. It will. The very best place will just pop right up that is meant to be. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> or if any listeners live in Beverly Hills or know anybody in Beverly Hills with like a guest house that they want to just rent out for cheap, 
Oh, that sounds nice. even better. Yeah, that'd be nice too. That happens. A lot of a lot of people actually do that, but I think it's it's like who you know. Yeah, yeah. Kind of just has to like happen, right? But just throwing just it out know. to the universe. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, best of luck. Thank you. Shall we jump into the questions for today? Yes, let's get started. Okie dokie. So to start things off, we have some listener feedback. And the first one comes from Kristen. And the subject is, I am drinking the Kool-Aid. And Kristen says, I recently found your podcast and am finally all cut up and have loved all the information you provide. You've convinced me to fast clean and I feel amazing and not to be scared of any food groups. I started out keto, but have added in some healthy carbs on occasion. Tangent. I still want to be like the keto person, but it hasn't (laughs) happened. (laughs) Just saying. Okay, back to Kristen's email. I am a physician, and I've been recommending your podcast to my coworkers who have asked me how I've lost weight. I am down 29 pounds since November 2017, and my patients who confide in me that they feel like they try so hard at the gym and counting calories but can't lose weight. I appreciate your efforts to find quality studies to answer listener questions and provide other great resources as well. I just started reading The Biology of Belief. Thank you so much, and keep up the good work. That's exciting. So she's a physician recommending it to her patients. I love that. that that's, that's great. And, you know, it, the tide is really starting to turn and more and more people, you know, I see that when people try to join the group while they're starting intermittent fasting, more and more people are, are saying it's because their doctor recommended it, which is oh, wow. thrilling. Yeah. That's awesome. It really is. So instead of doctors saying, oh, my gosh, this is terrible because they don't know anything about it, now doctors are, are learning about how wonderful intermittent fasting is for people and promoting it and then trying it themselves. And that's even better. <laughs> Yeah, that's really exciting. And congratulations, Kristen, on your on your weight loss and your patient's weight loss and and just everything. And she's reading The Biology of Belief. I really should read that. It's really interesting. It's so interesting. Um, the best part, I mean, really the beginning, I think I've – I don't know if I've ever read the whole thing all the way through because I always get sidetracked when I'm – because I have so many things going on. But the beginning is just amazing how – um how the author came to his understandings. I love his story. I will have to check that out. And so for listeners, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, that's where we put links to all of the stuff that we like. So there will be a link there, or there is a link there, I think, <laughs> for um for that book. All right. Are we ready to get into the questions? Yes, yes. Let's do it. Okay. The first one is from Gia. And the subject is questions for your podcast. Gia has a bunch of questions, so I look forward to all of these. So, if these questions have been asked before, I apologize. I love both of your books and your Facebook pages, and I love this podcast. I'm catching up on all the episodes. Since IFing, I have been organizing and cleaning, and your podcast helps me clean and organize while listening and learning. Thank you. I am back to intermittent fasting after giving up over a year ago. I am doing 20 hours fasting, four hours eating till I lose some more weight. Then I'll probably switch it up to 19.5. I've been doing it for nine days now and I have lost four pounds. I was not patient when I gave up the last time over a year ago as far as weight loss. 
I have gained 25 pounds since giving up IF. And I have to say, just a little side note from me, that's the thing about me too, um, Gia. I, I kept starting and stopping so many times from 2009 to 2014 because I wasn't patient enough. This is just one of those things that, that doesn't happen immediately for a lot of us, and we have to just be patient and wait for the magic to kick in. So there was that. <laughs> All right, back to Gia's um, email and questions. One day, I was looking back at old photos and noticed how much better I looked in the photos where I was intermittent fasting. I just looked younger and less bloated and healthier and happier. That made me decide to do it again and make it a lifestyle change this time around permanently. This time around, I am not going to obsess and only focus on the scale. And I am enjoying clean fasting. I used to use stevia. It's so much better without. I have you for motivation, so thank you so much for that. Here are some questions. Number one, I take dichotomous earth during my fasting period. It is supposed to be very good for getting rid of parasites and healing gut issues. Is this okay? Is it breaking my clean fast? I notice when I take it, it makes me very satisfied and not hungry for quite some time. It is basically dirt, so I don't think it has any calories. So let's go ahead and answer that one. Melanie, do you have any thoughts about dichotomous earth? I've never heard it said out loud, <laughs> and I've said it completely differently in my head all the time. Um, have you taken it before? I actually did take it at one point for some reason years ago, and I can't remember why. And then I was like, this is weird. I'm eating dirt, and then I, I may quit. <laughs> but I did. I can't remember why I was taking it. Yeah, I, I've i taken it before, and... I think I actually, when I moved back to LA, I didn't bring it with me because I had this huge bag of it and it is like a bag of basically silica and dirt, but it's white. They say it has a strong negative charge and that it attaches to positively charged toxins in our systems and pathogens and pesticides and toxins and just all the things. And then um, it's also... Because of the nature of it being silica, it's sharp enough that it can actually scrape through parasites. I mean, people debate it, <laughs> but um, I have found that when I took it in the past that I actually slept really, really well when I would take it, but then I felt like it was a little bit, it, it would slow things down in the bowel department a bit, <laughs> so it made me a little nervous, but um Yes, that's what it is for listeners. So as as far as whether or not it breaks the fast, I did some research. I couldn't really find anything, and I don't really know, honestly. That's not very helpful. But, um, (laughs) I mean, I can see how it would break the fast, but then I can see how it would not break the fast. It's not like fiber or something where it's, like, really bulking up, but it is putting something into your system. So... I don't know. I I mean, I just think if if it's working for you and you're not noticing any negative side effects, I think it's okay, but it might be a problem. What are your thoughts, Jen? Yeah, that's that's very close to what I was thinking too. Maybe consider taking it like an hour before you open your window instead. I don't know. If you want to have it, you know, on an empty stomach. But I, mean, I just don't know. I, I Like I said, I can't even remember why I took it. So <laughs> it's one of those things. I know it also, we, we used it, or I read about it being used, like if you have fleas in your home, you can like sprinkle it around and it, it kills the fleas. 
I think it like they eat it and it makes them explode or something. I don't know. That might be why it made me nervous and made me stop taking it. I don't know. <laughs> the only study I could find was actually in free range organic hens. They found that it did reduce their parasite load when they gave it to them. So we're not we're not super helpful on that question, but no. I do like your idea of taking it, maybe taking it like an hour before eating. I think that's a good idea. All right, the second question. I have heard that intermittent fasting can heal gluten intolerance issues. Do you have any other info on this, or do you know where I can go to find out more info? What are your thoughts on that, Melanie? Well, listeners are probably pretty familiar with gluten, (laughs) but basically it is a protein found in grains that serves as a sort of, um, can serve as a defense mechanism in the grains, but basically it's very hard for the body to break down and for people who are sensitive to it, it can create leaky gut and it can spark an autoimmune condition The creme de la creme being celiac disease where the body actually begins attacking the small intestine, but then other people can be sensitive to it without being necessarily celiac. And you can also be sensitive to it and not realize you're sensitive to it because it can be, quote, silent, which basically means you don't realize it's affecting you, but it is. So that's gluten. So as far as can intermittent fasting heal gluten, first of all, if you do have an autoimmune response to gluten, I don't think intermittent fasting per se can ever heal the potential for your body to react to it on the autoimmune aspect of it. But intermittent fasting is amazing for healing the gut. And so if you have leaky gut or you have problems from gluten, intermittent fasting is a great way to basically heal and seal your gut. So you'll probably feel a lot better. I would still recommend if you're intolerant to gluten, avoiding it. Don't think that because you're intermittent fasting that you can magically have gluten, but do know that fasting is wonderful for gut support. And then I'll also throw out there that gluten actually also encourages the gut to release a protein called zonulin, which normally is a good thing in our intestine because it basically opens up our intestine to allow nutrients in, but gluten makes zonulin (laughs) a little bit too much zonulin, and so that also encourages the, uh, the leaky gut. So intermittent fasting, great for the gut. I don't think it's going to heal your intolerance to gluten, though, although you may feel better. What are your thoughts, Jen? Have I mentioned the book before, Eat Wheat? Yes. I can't. Okay. So that um, that book is, does a great job. The subtitle of it is A Scientific and Clinically Proven Approach to Safely Bringing Wheat and Dairy Back into Your Diet. So it talks about how to heal certain conditions so that you can reintroduce things like wheat and gluten if, you're, if you can. Of course, as Melanie said, there are some people, you know, like if you have celiac, no, you're not going to be able to reintroduce it. That's a whole different thing. But it just really, it depends on why you're intolerant to gluten. So check out that book, Eat Wheat, if you're interested, and see if you can find any answers there that might help. Another reason that we're probably more sensitive to gluten now rather than in the past historically 
is likely because gluten, it's not just in wheat. Now it's everywhere. Like it's literally everywhere. It's in, um, just when it comes to like packaged foods, processed foods. Like yesterday I went to Whole Foods. I really wanted the salmon and the ingredients said salmon, salt, pepper, garlic, dill. So I asked, I said, is there gluten in this? And they were like, yeah, no, nothing here is gluten free. Like nothing in the the case of the foods that they had. <laughs> so um, basically it's everywhere. And that might be another reason that it's really hard to avoid. And another reason that people are reacting because we're just, A, we have more leaky guts because of our modern diet, modern toxins, modern everything. And then B, we're getting constantly exposed to this toxic peptide in wheat. So there's that. Yeah. It's, it's, we're just, our, our problem is just all this fake food and packaged food and it's, it's made us unhealthy in so many ways. Yeah. All right. How about question three from Gia? My allergies are really bad right now and I have been taking some allergy meds in the morning. Could this be affecting my fast? Is it okay to take allergy meds when fasting? I am taking Claritin D. I'm not going to lie. I have noticed a side effect. It is helping with appetite suppression. And I just want to real quick, before Melanie answers this one, say, Gia, um, when I took allergy medication, I did take it in the fasted state. Um, But I don't need to take it anymore because, thank goodness, (laughs) intermittent fasting has really helped. I mean, I I haven't taken allergy medicine since 2015, which is incredible because I used to be miserable during allergy season and couldn't even survive. Um, Here in Augusta, Georgia, it's very, very, like everything gets dusted in yellow. We have rivers of yellow running down the street. So I took Allegra and I took it every day and I took it in the morning and I I don't think it affected my fast. Although I do think that long-term antihistamine use is not necessarily good for us. But if you're having really bad allergy problems, then I would absolutely take that um, during the fasted state, if it helped me. What do you think, Melanie? Same page about everything you said. I don't think long-term allergy medication is a good thing, but you got to do what you got to do. But I do think that intermittent fasting can help. And Jenna and I talk a lot about serapeptase. That's something that's really great for clearing the sinuses. So that's something you might want to try as well. I wouldn't worry, though, about taking it during the fasted state. Especially, I don't know if Claritin D, that might, is that one sublingual? No. Well, they may have a sublingual version of it. I, I know, know Claritin has the, because um, I used to take the Claritin Ready tabs. I think out of all of them, that would probably be the least likely to affect, well, actually, but that it's one It's going to be flavored, flavored right? So I don't know, but it's minty. Like yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just took Allegra and I just took it. I didn't take the decongestant though. I just took the regular. Oh right, Claritin D is the decongestant, and that's why that's why there's the appetite suppression because I think it the ones that are D. I think they have um like they have pseudoephedrine in, in them maybe. I think so. Also, some other natural alternatives for allergy relief: quercetin. I know people take that a lot for allergies, so that might help. And then there are also a lot of like natural versions that you can take that you can get at like Whole Foods or Amazon. So I think I'll add a, like an allergy relief section to the um, the stuff we like page. Yeah, that's a good idea. So listeners, check that out. Perfect. All right. Now her last question. 
Has anyone else noticed that they get more attention from the opposite sex when fasting? It may sound strange, but every time I intermittent fast, I always get more attention and compliments from strangers. I noticed this the last time, too. I've only been doing it nine days, so it's not like the changes are significant. But I notice when I'm fasting, I must be putting out some zen-like energy because I just tend to get positive vibes from people. It happens on day one. Does anyone else experience this? And then she says, thank you for all of your motivation and wonderful tools. Oh, and Jen, I do not like melon either. LOL. I know we are anomalies. <laughs> Yay, Gia. <laughs> That's the second question I think recently where they said they didn't like melon. Flashback to the past. I love this question so much. I'm surprised we haven't received this question from anybody else, but I have noticed this. I don't know. It's very true. Just when you're in the fasted state and feeling really good, I think you really do put out really good positive energy. And that is very attractive to other people, especially like positive energy attracts positive energy. And I think, yeah, that's a, a wonderful benefit of intermittent fasting. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Jen? I agree completely. The way she described it as a zen-like energy is exactly how I feel. Just, you know, calm and relaxed and like nothing is bothering you and you can just go about your business even when things are troubling. So, yeah, I find that my mood is definitely better and my attitude is more positive since I've been intermittent fasting. And I think that a lot of people find that to be the case. And then for her question, that in turn attracts other people. Right. People like you when you're calm and putting out a positive energy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I think so. Absolutely. I love that. You know, one thing that, that we always notice in the um, Facebook support groups when people post photos, they always post before and after. And it's just universal that everyone looks more vibrantly healthy. Yeah. In the after photos. So I just think overall we just are radiating health and vitality and also that zen-like positivity. Awesome. It's just <laughs> it's a great a great benefit. All righty. So our next question comes from Tanya and the subject is question. And Tanya says, "Hi, how much money would you say you save a month on food?" Oh my gosh, I love this one because it's actually hilarious to me because here is the thing. <laughs> Tanya, I think I might spend more on food now than I used to. And I am eating less. <laughs> so how can I be spending more? Well, it's it's the whole um, benefit I like to call becoming a food snob. So back in the day before intermittent fasting, I ate a lot of garbage. I mean, it's it's what I preferred. It's what I liked. And, you know, I would go on diets here and there and I would try this diet and that diet. But then I would always return to the standard American diet. And it always involved fast food, packaged lunches, you know, things like that. I could take to work with me, drive through on the way home to feed my family because I was busy and I didn't have time to, to meal plan and go to the grocery store. So as I became an intermittent faster and I cut out the, you know, the going through the drive through breakfast on the way to work. But, you know, drive through breakfast is like two bucks, right? And then, you know, a McDonald's meal for dinner is like, you know, three ninety nine or whatever. That's so how they get you. It's cheap. 
all that cheap packaged food I was eating was really, really, really cheap. Yeah, I ate a lot more frequently, but I wasn't spending a lot of money on it. You know, if you want to buy really high quality food, it, it costs more. So now I buy organic coffee. I'm buying French wine. I'm buying, <laughs> you know, I'm getting my meals from the meal delivery services. I'm, you know, my favorite one is organic and the food costs more and I'm upgrading to organic, you know, grass-fed meat in, in my um, delivery meal. So, <sighs> Tanya, I don't think I'm saving any money on food, but I think I'm eating so much better and it's and my body is so much healthier. So maybe it's it's evened out. Heck, I might even be spending more, but don't tell my husband. Thank goodness he doesn't listen to the podcast. He has no idea. <laughs> You're probably saving on future health costs. There you go, right? So I'm saving money there, but save on the on the food, no. Now if you kept eating exactly the same foods that you were eating before, but you were eating in, you know, a window of that was a lot shorter, you would probably save, what, two-thirds of your food bill. You know, I'm also not driving through Starbucks picking up the lattes anymore. So, you know, that would add up. So it, it is possible to save money if you don't change what you eat. But if, you, if it, what happens to you happens to me, just be ready to eat better food. <laughs> what do you think, Melanie? Are you saving money on food? My answer is basically the exact same thing. I was going to say, in theory – you would save a decent amount of money because you're not snacking 24-7. And even if you are consuming the same amount of calories, which many people, they start doing intermittent fasting and they they start consuming less overall. But even if you are consuming the same amount, I feel like you, you just save money not creating sep- three to six to seven <laughs> to eight separate meals and snacks every day. Um, but that said... When you do start intermittent fasting, you'll probably find, like Jen, like me, that you become more in tune with your body and you do start becoming a food snob and um, you start realizing how foods make you feel and you start naturally gravitating towards organic, clean, sadly more expensive food. But I will say, I really encourage listeners, if you are a proponent of organic and natural food to to buy it because I think slowly but surely if we continue to put our dollar in that area of food production that we can slowly make a shift towards more and more availability for that. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, the uh, Rich Roll podcast. He's interviewing, I think it's named Dr. Zach Bush, I think. It's the guy who developed that Restore supplement. Have you heard yeah, of that? I have. Have listeners talked about that in the Facebook group at all? I don't think so. No, I'm contemplating trying it, but it's really expensive. He was saying, and I'd have to verify this, but he was saying that if 16% of food sales would switch to organic, especially with produce, that it would make a substantial effect on... Um, I don't know if we want to, I don't want to get like political, but Monsanto and Roundup and pesticide use, that it could actually really affect change there. Turn the tide. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that podcast was shocking. And if you're interested at all, I, now I just want to go on a huge tangent and tell you everything he said, but <laughs> I'll just, uh, I'll put a link in the uh, show notes for this episode to that podcast because it's really scary 
what pesticides do. And I'm sorry that that is a tangent. But so for listeners, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 50, that's where we'll put all the references and links to anything we discuss. Yeah, I think that's important though. That was that was a good tangent to go on because you actually your your tastes change and this all this processed food, you know, pesticide laden, whatever, overly processed, just starts to not taste good. It starts to taste chemically. Like just this week I had a, a funny um a funny thing happened at dinner one night. We have, you know, this this one organic meal company that food delivery that we use and they um the meal had, it was like chicken, and then it had like a salad with it, but it needed like a starch. I always add a starch and my homemade bread, but <laughs> it needed a starch with it. So I, I usually make rice because I just keep a big old thing of jasmine rice, and I just pull out some rice and make it. It's easy. But I was like, you know, we just had rice last night. So I'm going to have to go to the grocery store. So while I'm there, I'm going to get this potato salad from the deli that I used to love. I mean, I loved it. It was like, you know, made in the deli. I'm like, this is just like homemade. And I used to love it. It's like baked potato, potato salad, like sour cream. And it was like a baked potato, potato salad. So we used to love it. Well, both my husband and I hated it. We like couldn't stand the taste of it. It tasted so fake. We were like, what is wrong with this potato salad? And we used to love it, but we both felt like it was horrible. So he was like, well, everything was really good that you made. (laughs) (laughs) So we just, we cannot, we can't even take things we used to like anymore. I mean, we just were like, and we had to scrape it all in the trash. We were like, we're not eating this. Yeah. Two thoughts on that. My mom actually texted us the other day and said that she had bought a few different organic produce or a few different organic items. I think it was like blueberries and like ground beef and one other thing. And she didn't tell my dad that they were organic, but he like specifically made a comment saying, wow, like these, like he picked those out as saying that they tasted amazing. Yeah. And so I think there really is a difference. I think so. And just they get ripe in nature instead of. Well, he was saying, like he was saying on the podcast, something that was fascinating was that Did you know that the scientist who first developed Roundup, it's water-soluble, and that makes it extremely dangerous because basically it, for for a lot of reasons, it basically is pervasive and it can, it gets in everything. It's in our rainwater. It's it's everywhere. It gets into the the vegetables. And then because it is water-soluble, it can, our, our detox systems don't attach to it if it were fat soluble in the way that they would, because it's water soluble, it more easily goes straight into our system. So it's just very overwhelming. And then he was also saying that um, as far as the taste goes, that it has just completely killed the, the natural probiotics in the soil and the, actually the ability of the plants to generate nutrients and generate um, the proteins that we need. So it just really has created a uh, all these pesticides have created a depletion of nutrients in conventional produce and because it's in our environment it even can affect organic food as well which is very sad the more i've moved to intermittent fasting and eating a, a smaller amount of food of course during the day it is important to me that it's as nutrient dense as possible so i care more about it now than i used to all right and the next question is from trish and the subject is alcohol 
and it says, I'm so excited I found you guys. I listened to your alcohol podcast. That was great. You mostly talked about wine. What about liquor, vodka, etc.? It probably depends on what you're mixing it with. I was just curious about how that can affect fasting. Thank you. So to recap briefly for listeners, I will put a link to the episode where we discussed alcohol and fasting at length, and we did we did talk a lot about wine specifically. Um, long, long story short, basically, yes, drinking alcohol interrupts your fast. It switches you from fat burning to alcohol burning. So for your question, Trish, you're curious how it affects fasting. It's, it's going to be the same as wine. It, it breaks your fast either way. Some people say that drinking alcohol with like their dinner, for example, doesn't affect how fast they enter uh, the state of ketosis the next day or the fat burning state. While it seems like anecdotally, some people it takes them longer to enter the, the quote fasted state. So yeah, pretty short answer, but those are my thoughts. What are your thoughts, Jen? I was actually reading something about ketosis this week and it talked about alcohol induced ketosis. So I don't know much about it, but it was like, it's like a little um, image that I found that attached to some article. Gosh, I see if I can find it. It said, here it is. I have it saved. It said nutritional ketosis can be achieved through carbohydrate restriction, supplementation, or increased alcohol consumption. I thought that was odd. This really? Is an article. What did it say? It, uh, that's it. That It was just a summary. That that statement was just there. It was basically, they talked, it was related to fasting too. There was a section about how ketosis related to fasting, but then it also talked about nutritional ketosis here, which of course is when you're eating the keto diet, but it said something about increased alcohol consumption and it didn't go into any more detail than that. But I thought that was very, very interesting. And a couple people, I shared this photo and a couple people picked up on it and they were like, why? And I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the, the mechanism of that, but it's just interesting that, um, that I just saw it this week. I mean, I have read about it at length in the past and people debate about it for sure. And I know it has to do with like very complicated pathways in the liver for how we process ketones versus how we pro- process alcohol. I'll have to do more research on that. I don't know why. It just sounds like something I would not want. I would not want to drink so much alcohol that my body was – I don't know why. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a good thing. So like when we interviewed – Todd White at Dry Farm Wines, not not Todd, but somebody else at his company, he actually did an experiment where he drank, I think he drank like tons of alcohol, but he, and he, and he, um, he measured his ketones ketones the whole time. He did like an alcohol fast and he measured his ketones the whole time and it, he was still in ketosis the whole time. I'll put, it was a fascinating blog post. I'll put a link to that as well in the show notes. Um, but yeah, it's definitely very complicated. It is complicated. So, so maybe you can drink alcohol no, during. I, the fast. I don't think. I don't think she's talking necessarily about but drinking yeah. it during the fast. Well, she said, "How can it affect fasting?" I mean, I think it can affect fasting, and um, like it might make it harder to fast the next day if you have a hangover. <laughs> or for me, I get really hypoglycemic with alcohol. Yeah. Like it drops my blood sugar. 
Like, I was not interpreting necessarily that she was asking, could she drink alcohol during the fast? She just said how it affected fasting. So, you know, I have found the hardest days ever, ever, ever to fast have been days after I consumed too much alcohol. Just my body. The recovery is not as good. And I consider food to be medicinal in a case like that. The thing that strikes me about her question, though, is she says it probably depends on what you are mixing it with, which makes me think that she is possibly acting asking yeah. if she can have straight up like straight up vodka during the fast and no not yeah. affect it I thought that too but I do notice that for me I am more likely to have a hangover if I'm having alcohol that's mixed with a lot of mixers like if I'm having fruity drinks or like mixed drinks I feel worse the next day than if I have like um a cleaner kind of I don't know does that make sense Oh, yeah. No, completely. It's all that that mixer stuff that makes it even, like, makes you feel worse. Have you heard of Bellion vodka made with NTX? I have not heard of that one, no. What's that supposed to do for you? I'm showing it to Jen. It's this. Okay. (laughs) It's basically developed by a guy who wanted to reduce hangovers and reduce the problems with alcohol, and it's made with a compound that can reduce alcohol or reduce liver damage by like I think it's around 70% or something but they did um, clinical trials on it which was very interesting so what's what's the special additive NTX is the compound so I actually did a blog post about it which I'll put a link to and then they this was a while it was like a year ago but the uh, the founder like the founder founder sent me an email and was like Great blog post. Let me send you a bottle. And, oh, wow. um, <laughs> and he did. Yeah, that's something. If you are going to go the vodka route, I would actually recommend that because it um, yeah, has a compound to reduce liver damage, which is really nice. That is cool. The one I was thinking of was Ciroc. Is that how you say it? C-I-R-O-C. Yeah, people say Ciroc is like, quote, cleaner. Yeah, that's. I remember I bought that at some point. It um, actually is made from grapes. Isn't that weird? Vodka made from grapes. And then Tito's uh, is made from potatoes. Here's a little fun fact about alcohol. So I used to think <laughs> that maybe this is common knowledge, but I used to think that things like rum or whiskey, that the coloring in them was from like like it was part of the process, like it was natural because because there, you know rum comes in different colors and like a tequila comes in different colors and then whiskey is always darker. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they have certain colors to them. Yeah. that That's all added. Now, I really think bourbon, though, is because they, like, have the inside of the barrel is, like, burned with fire, right? Right. So it's from, like, the barrels or... Right. So, like, pure alcohol is always going to be clear. I guess my point was that it's not from... The alcohol is not it's the not, color. It's not from the um the source. Yeah. It's from, like, the barrels or added. Yeah, but I think that's the important part of the process. Otherwise, it would be, like, they would not call it. It would be, like, moonshine, right? It's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Without any kind of thing added. It'd be, you're just drinking moonshine. I went to a, a bar once out in L.A., and they had moonshine. Oh, we've got moonshine here. I saw it in a liquor store yesterday. Oh, wow. We were at the liquor store. And um, my husband is, like, turned into a beer snob. So he's, like, 
you know, choosing all these beers and crafting his little six-pack. And I don't like any of those beers. They just taste gross to me. I'm sorry. I'm a Bud Light girl. I know I don't have a good palate for beer. But, (laughs) you know, I picked out a couple of French ones. And then I was, like, just wandering around because I was done. took me two minutes. And he's just (laughs) taking forever. How long does it take to pick out six beers? A long time. But they had a whole, like, section of moonshine. And they had all these different flavors. And I was like, yeah, that is not something that's going home with me. (laughs) Not that, not – what's the one that's, like, super, super, super high alcohol, Everclear? Grain, yeah, grain alcohol, yeah. And then Because it's, it's so pure, yeah. It's just mostly alcohol. Yeah, no thank Fun you. times. Not having that. All right. Are we ready for our next question? Yes. So the next question comes from Alishka, and the subject is working hours window. And she says – I can't imagine myself working and not eating the whole day. I also sleep much better when I'm not eating a few hours before bedtime. I only do very small changes in my lifestyle, but then I keep them. In December 2016, I gave up sweets. Then in January 2017, alcohol. (laughs) In February, salty snacks. Then bread, cakes, oats, rice, pasta. I started to drink more water and walk 10, then 12,000 steps a day. Ten weeks ago, I started with running as well. I train myself in every change for a month till it's a habit. Then I focus on something new but keep all the previous habits. Before um, I keep reading, I really like what she said there. I think that's a really nice way for habit implementation to do like – I think so too. One thing at a time. Or you can do like all the things, which I always tell myself that I'm going to do. I write down like – I'll get like a – a a notepad and I'll write down all the things I'm going to change like tomorrow (laughs) doesn't really happen okay (laughs) all right so back to the email a new habit of mine is that I'm current is that I currently don't eat after 7 p.m. I usually work out something low intensity around 8 p.m. go to bed around 10 I get up at 6 a.m. work out more intense shower go to work and eat breakfast around 9 30 so my eating window is currently 9.30 to 7. I, I can imagine going slowly to a window of 10 to 6 or 10 to 5. I'd actually like that since I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat after work and shopping for dinner and all of that. But would it be beneficial this way during the day as it is when you eat only in the evenings? Is a 7 or 8 hour long window beneficial or do I need to go to 6 hours of eating or less? I'm 5'5", 145 pounds. I already lost 20 pounds in the last two years doing these and other small changes in my life. I do want to lose another 15 pounds before pregnancy, which is huge motivation. I can't be on a diet or count calories since it literally freaks me out. So I'm searching for small lifestyle changes which are maintainable. I'm usually listening to your podcast while running or biking. I'm glad I found you ladies. Thanks for all the work you put in. All right, so this is a great email from Alishka. So she has two questions. She wants to know, basically, is eating during the day as beneficial as eating in the evenings? Also, she wants to know, is a seven- or eight-hour window beneficial, or does she need to do a smaller window? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, First of all, her first sentence just, you know, strikes me from the beginning as something that – I want to hit on. She said, I can't imagine myself working and not eating for the whole day. And, you know, I used to feel like that too (laughs) until 
I started intermittent fasting. And like, even when I started, it's so funny. I go back, you know, I just, by the way, I just hit three years in maintenance. I've been in maintenance for over three years. And after the first year, when I hit my goal, and then even for the first year after that, I was still trying to like nail down a plan. And I kept trying to figure out, am I going to do four, three, where I'm eating, you know, normally four days and then fasting three days. And I kept thinking I wanted to maximize it so I would eat during the day. I felt like I would miss, like she said, I can't imagine myself working and not eating for the whole day. So I thought I wanted to eat during the whole day. And then after I kept experimenting, I realized I actually feel better when I do not eat at work. Like I feel better when I don't eat and work the whole day. (laughs) I made the exact same way before I couldn't imagine working and not eating all day. Now I just need to take out the knot. Now I now I just need to take out the knot <laughs> because I can't imagine myself working and eating all day. Yeah, I cannot. My even productivity imagine. just plummets. Yeah, that's that's so true for me. If I have something that that is going to be scheduled in my day that's a little later than normal, but I have to be mentally sharp, I push my window even later that day because the mental clarity I get from the fasted state is is makes such a difference. Now. That being said, not everybody feels like the same way Melanie and I do. There are people in the groups who do enjoy having an earlier window. And some of the research on circadian rhythms and fasting um, shows that there may be some benefits to, ha- you know, with insulin response to having an earlier window if that feels like a lifestyle to you. So I would say there may be some some metabolic or hormonal benefits to having an earlier window but for me the way i feel would not make it worthwhile for me it makes sense to have it later just because of the way melanie and i both agree we we stay so mentally sharp during the fast now if you would like to have an earlier window opening at 10am and closing it um you know well well before the evening right now what you're describing 10 to 6 or 10 to 5 is it a 7 or 8 hour window as you said Personally, you know, you and I are the same height, Alishka, five five, and I did not lose any weight until I got below a seven. I mean, below a five hour window. So I needed a window of shorter than five hours in order to actually lose weight. Can you lose weight on a seven or eight hour window? I don't know. This is where it's very personal. There are people who do an eight hour window and they do lose weight with those. Um, I am not one of those people. But I also lose what we call appetite correction, a a term coined by Dr. Bert Hearing in his fabulous book, Appetite Correction, that we have linked um, on our favorite things. And I would highly encourage that to help you understand it. If you have appetite correction in a seven or eight hour window and it's working for you and you're losing weight and the time from 10 to 6, it feels right for you, then by all means, then that works for you. But if you find that you're not losing weight, I would suggest pushing that window later. You can still stop eating by 6 p.m. and just not open your window till maybe 1 or 2 and then have, you know, your meal maybe at 4 or 5 or something like that. So you just have to tweak it and make it work. If you're getting the results you want and you feel good, then it is right. That That's my best advice for that. What would you like to add, Melanie? I think you answered that perfectly. All right. I was like, this is a Jen question. I'm going to let Jen handle this. <laughs> yeah. As far as the daytime versus nighttime eating, I I so love the nighttime eating, and it works so well for me. 
And honestly, I probably need to stop <laughs> listening to like all of Rhonda Patrick's stuff on the subject because yeah. that that's the only thing that keeps me slightly hesitant still is all of the the research that comes out about circadian rhythms and daytime eating and all the people who say that that's more beneficial. I'll do something and it'll work really well, but then I read all of these conflicting studies and I'm like, oh no, maybe this isn't the best thing. But I think in the end, you just have to do what works for you personally and keep that in mind and we're all different. So a nighttime window, Alishka, might work better for you or a daytime window might work better. You just got to do what makes you feel better. Yeah, I feel the same way about about the recommendations because, you know, maybe it might be more body perf- perfect. You know, maybe my, my body would be whatever, slightly better if I did it earlier. But, you know, I'm really happy right now with my evening window. You know, they would frown on me having a glass of wine in the morning before work, right? <laughs> you know, I'm about to retire, but I'm not going to wake up in the morning and have – you know, a 10 o'clock eating window and a glass of wine and then have a productive day. Have a mimosa. Yeah, I just don't think so. For me, it just, quality of life is important. So when you find a window that gives you health results and a quality of life that you're looking for, you know, that's why I don't, I'm not still reading more diet books and I'm not still searching. And I've said before, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts because I'm not trying to change what I'm doing because I love what I'm doing and it works and I feel good and I'm healthy. So could I be healthier? I don't know, maybe, but would I be as happy? No, I maybe not. And I think happiness is important. All right. Let's see if we have time for one more really quick question um, from listener Olivia and her subject is citric acid. And she says, I recently bought a bottle of unsweetened tea, pure leaf brand at the local grocery store and noticed it has citric acid in it. Is that counted as a flavor and therefore may break the fast? I'm trying to break a Diet Coke habit, and having something with caffeine I can buy at the checkout lane would be helpful, but I don't want to move from one bad habit into another. Thank you for your help. Alrighty, so speaking of habits, (laughs) thank you, Olivia, for your question. So this reminds me, I just want to plug this really quick. I just, did you see my Instagram about the homemade dishwasher detergent I made I did not see that Uh -uh. oh so I've been trying to formulate the perfect non-toxic dishwasher detergent because I just don't do well with all of the additives and the the flavors and everything it's really hard to make one that actually cleans the dishes and doesn't leave a residue and actually does a good job um especially the water here in LA is it hard or soft water when it leaves like stuff you know what? I think it's the opposite of what I always think, so I'm not sure. Like, I would think that sounded like hard, but it really is soft, but I don't know. In any case, the water here leaves so much residue, but I finally got the perfect combination, and it works so well, and I put an Instagram photo. So if you go to – it's actually it's on my Instagram, so which is just Melanie Avalon, but this relates because it uses citric acid. I never like bought citric acid before, but um, now I have. <laughs> and so listeners, you, you should really uh, check out my Instagram and make that dishwasher detergent. You'll save money too. Just as far as what citric acid is. So it actually occurs naturally in fruits and vegetables. That's why it's called citric acid. It's actually often in citrus fruits. 
Um, but they also make it as, you can get it like a powder, like I said. So that's what I used for my detergent. Or it's also liquid and used in drinks. And that's because it can add like a sour taste and enhance flavor. And it also works as a preservative. So it has a lot of different uses. It actually does have some beneficial effects. So it can increase the acidity of um, the environment in your intestines, which makes it difficult for like pathogenic species to survive. But at the same time, it's alkalizing. So it actually is alkalizing for the rest of your system. As far as whether or not it breaks the fast, I, I tried really hard to find the answer to this because I've, I've been wondering this myself. <laughs> um, I tried so hard. I even like pulled up like this really, really long study about the metabolism of it and the Krebs cycle. And I was like, I'm going to read this and I'm going to formulate my answer. But it was just too complicated. <laughs> it was over my head. This is how we started. I started the podcast and how I'm ending it. I don't know if it breaks the fast, but it definitely does create a flavor. And I know for me personally, when I've had, when I would have citric acid, drinks with citric acid in the past, that I just felt like it was affecting things. Do you have an answer, Jen? You know, this is a very interesting one because it comes up from time to time. And this is one of those products that people do find makes them hungrier. Um, like people that have tried it. So I like found something one time. I can't, I've never been able to refind it or <laughs> locate it again, right? I found something one day months ago that made me think, oh gosh, yeah, we don't want this during fasting. And I shared it that one day and everybody's like, oh yeah, we don't want that. And I can never find that again because people keep asking. And I was like, boy, I wish I could go back and find that. But there was some reason one day, something I found made me feel like, Citric acid was not something that we wanted to have during fasting. So that being said, you know, if you're familiar with our advice about the clean fast, I would suggest what I always do when we have something in what we call the gray area, and this may well be one of those gray area things that affects some people more than other people, fast without it for a couple weeks till you know exactly how you feel when you do a perfectly clean fast, and then try it. And... Um, if it is not working for you, you'll know. It'll it'll affect the way you feel. So that would be my advice for this product. Just like if you're not really sure, like Melanie, Melanie and I cannot find anything definitive on this, so it might be fine. But when anything's questionable, fast clean, get used to that feeling, then try it and just see. Because, you know, you're right. It is definitely going to be better than, than a Diet Coke habit, without a doubt. Was it about like the Krebs cycle and everything? No, it was because I know it, it's processed very specifically by the body, and that's why I'm curious about it. It was something about the additives. It was something that that they added to it. And see, I think that's one of those things. But it was something about the additives, and it wasn't like the citric acid itself. It was the additives that they put in it. Because you know how they'll claim something's quote natural flavors but then they could just throw a whole bunch of whatever in there i think citric acid may fall in that same umbrella but i could be wrong it's it's what they put with it i can't remember i wish i could find it again i know that it's a byproduct of like our citric acid cycle but it's also produced by like molds well if any listeners know the answer to this question and would like to tell us tell us <laughs> um <laughs> So, yeah. 
I think that's all we have time for today. So a few things before we go. So for any show notes, if, if you'd like to see any of the references that we talked about or like the podcast that I mentioned, just go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 50. You can also go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, and that's where we put a list to all the stuff we like. So I'll actually, I'll put my, um, I'll put my homemade dish detergent recipe there. And then there's books and just all the things are there. And then also we have a semi new Instagram. So you can follow us on Instagram and that is IF podcast is the handle for that. Definitely check that out. And then lastly, if you're on iTunes, you can subscribe to our podcast and you will get the episodes downloaded automatically every week. You won't even have to do anything. And then while you're in iTunes, we would love, love, love if you could write a review of the podcast because it just really helps so much um, just for spreading the word and creating credibility. And we just really would appreciate that. So, yep. Any final thoughts from you, Jen? No, I think it was another great episode. Awesome. (laughs) And keep those questions coming, people. Yep, keep them coming. All right, well, I'll talk to you next week. All right, bye-bye. Okay, bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.